to talk tonight. We're going to talk about, um, of course, the miracles, and specifically, um, there's a teacher of the course that we really like a lot, Kenneth Wapnick. He passed away back in 2013, but he le left us a whole <laughs> volumes and volumes of teachings on the course. And as a school, we use his teachings all the time. How's my sound, Dave? Am I all right? So far, so good. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Dave will let me know. <laughs> so um, Kenneth Wapnick, um, great teacher. He's not around in his body anymore, but once you get to know him a little bit, you'll feel his presence all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you can always ask him anything. And if, he, if he's busy, he'll get right back to you. <laughs> um, within seconds, probably. And that's certainly been my experience since he, you know, he left his body back in 2013. One of the big things that, um, one of the most helpful things that I think Ken ever did for the course community was he gave us the, what we're gonna do tonight, the chart, the chart of the metaphysics of A Course in Miracles. And the gist of the chart is, it's, it's kind of a, a, a storyline, a map, if you will, of how we got here, how we got from from an experience of heaven to actually believing I'm a body in a world full of bodies. And then even more importantly, how do I get back to the awareness that I'm still the son of God, we're still collectively the son of God, one son of God, and we never left heaven. So that's, and, and the chart kind of lays that down schematically. Um, and uh, it, it takes a while, I think, to sit with the chart, and the, uh, but I think it's very, 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 very helpful in terms of taking almost any page in the course and reading it and initially not having a clue what the heck it means, but applying it to the chart and applying it to, to how we got here and then more importantly, how we got back, it begins to make a whole lot more sense. And I think everybody that's been doing this for uh, you know, more than a few months, years, even, it, we all find it very, 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 very helpful. So, and we're still at it. We're still doing it. Um, a friend of mine once said, you can, you can never do the chart too much because <laughs> the chart is, is our story. The chart is my story. The chart is your story. So that's what we're doing here. We'll look at the chart. Um, Let's see, I wanna do an opening meditation just to kind of get settled a little bit, invite, invite in the presence of um, uh, Jesus and Ken into our meeting. Um, let them kind of lead the way with it. And uh, as an opening meditation, if you have a book, this is uh, my beat up version, <laughs> but it, this is on page one. In the, in the right after the table of contents in the, in the front of the book, we're gonna read the introduction. The introduction to the text, the introduction to A Course in Miracles. And it's not actually listed as page one, but it says introduction and the first line, the first sentence is, this is A Course in Miracles. The original version went, this is a course in miracles, please take notes. <laughs> they left out the please take notes part. <laughs> so I wanna do it, just go over this a little bit and then we'll do it as a meditation. Um, just kind of explain it from um, 
Ken's point of view, the course's point of view, certainly the, our school for A Course in Miracles point of view, how we approach all this stuff. This is A Course in Miracles. And first we have to kind of sit with and get to know what, what when Jesus is talking about a, a miracle in the course, he's not talking about changing um, water into wine. He's not talking about parting the Red Sea. He's not talking about bringing Lazarus from the dead. I mean, those are all great Bible stories. But in the course, when Jesus is talking about a miracle, he's talking about a change in our own individual perception of how we see things. And that's no small thing, <laughs> as we'll get to see as we go along in this process. So this is a course in changing our perception of the way we see ourselves, of the way we see the world. Um, in short, moving from an image of victims and victimizers and good guys and bad guys and, and realizing maybe what we're seeing isn't what we're seeing. Maybe there's something else going on. So this is a course in changing perception. My perception. That's the miracle. It's a required course if you want to get back to heaven. <laughs> you don't have to do it quite this way. There's lots of paths back to heaven. There's lots of paths back to, the, to waking us up to who we truly are. Um, and this is just one of them. So it's required some type, some way of, of being willing to allow our perception to be changed by Buddha, by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus, um, whatever background you might have, higher power for 12-steppers. For it's a required course in terms of we step back out of the way and we let that inner voice of love show us something else. Only the time you take it is voluntary. I won't even try to deal with that one right now. <laughs> uh, we'll get a sense of that as we go. Free will does not mean that you or I can establish the curriculum. It, it means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. Are we ready to do this or not? <laughs> and if we are, we'll ask for help. Um, the course, and this is probably certainly as a school, one of the most important line in the introduction, probably throughout the whole course, the course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love. Really? <laughs> Why not, Jesus? <laughs> okay, what does that mean? It, it doesn't, it means it's not about heaven. This is not a course about heaven. It's about removing the blocks to our, our, our path back to heaven. It's about moving the blocks that we've put up in our perception to that we're still holy, one holy son of God. And we can access that awareness. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. Love is just a done deal. Our true identity as the son of God is a done deal. And then, you know, in, in terms of time and space, we're running around in a world pretending we're not that. The problem is, is we are the, the good news is we're, we are the son of God. The bad news is for some, a lot of crazy reasons, we're pretending we're not. We're, we're not God's son. So this course does not aim at teaching the meaning of our true identity, love, 
for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, and if you get this sentence, you're half, more than halfway there. <laughs> it does aim, at, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to my own awareness that we're still one holy son of God. That, that is our true identity. And that is, as he says, which is your natural inheritance, which is our natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear. Okay, that sort of makes sense. But yeah. then he has to throw this in here. But what is all encompassing love means that, okay. that okay. it has no opposite. If, uh, if you think of it, oh, it's Lynn. Lynn Altman's the bad girl. <laughs> if you think of it and you have your mic on, that's great. If you have a question or a comment, um, put your mic on. And then if you remember, um, unlike Lynn Altman, you could turn your mic off. <laughs> All righty. So... Uh, let's see. And then it's paragraph two of the course, therefore, can be summed up very simply in this way. And these two lines really grab people when they read it, probably not knowing what it means at all, but it just gets you in, a, in, in almost a gut punch. <laughs> Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And herein lies the peace of God. Herein lies the heart of the whole course. Herein lies our own true identity as God's one son. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. So yeah, why don't we do that as an opening meditation? Lisa, you want to read that? And then we'll get quiet for a minute or two. I'll bring us out. Sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. This is a course in miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all encompassing can have no opposite. This course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Thanks. And we'll get quiet for a minute or so. I'll bring us out.
and gently, gently come back. So we, uh, there, there's some very basic fundamental key ideas in, in, in Ken's chart, and we try to cover those ideas all the time. Sometimes we try to take somewhat of a different approach, but still those fundamental ideas, um, we try to include all those. And I'll try to do that this afternoon. I usually stand up and do this because I'm kind of all over the place and I'm waving, but this because I'm on the computer and I want to see all your smiley faces and, and see if anybody has a question um, or a comment, I, I kind of brought the board in close and I'm only going to work on one half, half, half side of the board. And hopefully if you put it on, if you're familiar with Zoom, you can put it on view in the upper right-hand corner and you can put me and, and uh, the chart on speaker view, which means it'll fill up the whole screen. If you don't know how to do that, don't worry about it. <laughs> or there's also the option of gallery view where you can see everybody's face, which is what I have it on. So uh, I'm gonna tell the, uh, I'm gonna give the chart like a story, like the story of the prodigal son, basically. It's the story of Odysseus and the Odyssey. <laughs> it's the story of leaving home, getting into crazy, um, insane places, and then trying to get back to home. That's what the course is all about. So the uh, part of the fundamental ideas that are covered in the course is uh, probably least heaven. <laughs> Um, because this is not a course about heaven. This is not a course about the meaning of love. This is a course about how to get back to heaven and what's standing in the way that I need to look at. So when we start to look at in any of our experiences in the world, we all have a concept of heaven. We all have a concept of God in heaven. Whether we believe it or not, you know, we've, we, we've managed to come up with ideas about that in our in, in growing up and, and in whatever kind of religion or not we were raised in. So we all have ideas about heaven. And then we certainly have ideas about our, our self, <laughs> little old me. Little old me down here in the world. What that feels like, what that looks like, what little old me has to do, what little old me has to do to feel safe to feel secure, what little old me has to do to have a family and protect that family, get a job, feed the family, have a roof over our heads, all that kind of stuff that's normal for everybody. And, uh, and there seems to be this huge, incredible gap between even our own personal ideas of heaven and what's happening to me in the world. I mean, that's what all this space is all about. Where, where is heaven? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of have an idea of heaven, but, but where is it? And then even more importantly, like I said, how do we get back? And then along the way, and certainly the course looks at this, why do we leave heaven in the first place? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> why did I get myself in this mess if, 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 if it was a choice? So, the course talks about three different realms of experience. 
The one it talks about the least is heaven. The introduction says it does not, the course doesn't aim at teaching the meaning of love, the meaning of heaven. That's just an experience that we're trying to get back to having that experience. And then, so that's one thing that one experience the course talks about a little bit, not a lot. Then it talks about a little bit more our experience of our meanness, me, what I'm doing in the world. More importantly, what the world's doing to me in any given moment. And then the third experience that the, what the course really talks about the most, and this is really crucial to understanding the course, is this in-between place between the world My experience in the world and our true experience as the son of God in heaven, the course talks about this place called the mind. That's the in-between place the course really wants us to get, get us to look at, become aware of, and realize whatever problems we set up, they're not problems in the world, they're problems in this internal place called the mind. So we got our experience in the world. We got our true identity as, as God's son in heaven. And what we're really going to look at the most in A Course in Miracles, and the words mentioned more than 2,000 times, is this experience called M-I-N-D, mind. It's really good to know and, and, and remind ourselves that when the Course is talking about mind, it is not talking about what's going on between my two ears. Is not talking about my brain. A lot of people think that, and that's easy to assume when you open any book and you see the word mind. But when Jesus is talking about mind, it's good to remind, remind ourselves that he's talking about an inner experience. And I'll, I'll get to that, what that inner experience is all about. So... So imagine we're all sitting around in heaven and everything's great. We're the son of God. Love is one. One is all. All for one. One for all. Whatever that experience is, we're having it. And then we get this crazy idea collectively as one son of God of what would it be like to step outside of heaven and play around with the idea of separation. What would it be like not to be in heaven? What would it be like not to be, have this experience of oneness with our Father in heaven? And the Course calls that crazy idea the tiny mad idea <laughs> that way. The tiny mad idea of separation. I, we all collectively, at this point, we step outside of heaven, we step outside of that experience of oneness, and we consider what would it be like to be separate. The good news from the Course's point of view is that that's impossible. It's hard, it's hard to, to believe that, especially when we're running around believing we're bodies in a world. However, the metaphysics, the, the way we left heaven, the first step in leaving heaven or believing that we could leave heaven 
was we considered this tiny mad idea that we could be separate from God. He talks about that specifically in chapter 27. It's mentioned in other places throughout the course, but that's what got us in trouble. Or that, that's initially what got us to believing we could be in trouble. We could be separate. We could step outside of this experience of oneness in heaven. So we played around with that tiny man idea. And we immediately, internally, as one son of God, no bodies in the world, no universe of time and space yet. That's down the road. When we, when we step outside of heaven, we play around with, internally with this idea of, of being separate. We have two reactions to that tiny mad idea. One is, it's insane. <laughs> One is, it's impossible. One is, why would I want to even be separate from my father in the first place? That's one, one, one side of the coin, if you will. One side of this experience that the Course is calling mind. And the Course calls that part of us in many different ways. And specifically calls that voice inside of us that looks at this idea and says that idea is totally silly. The voice, the, voice, the way it's described in the Course, uh, Jesus calls that the Holy Spirit. It's just simply, the Holy Spirit is just simply that part of us that is a reaction to the tiny mad idea. It's not anything separate from us. The Holy Spirit is us. Looking at this idea and going, that's crazy, that's silly, don't do it. <laughs> don't even play with it. However, <laughs> we wouldn't have a story if it stopped right there. We'd just all be back in heaven, everything be hunky-dory. There's the other part of us that decides, I want to mess around a little bit more here. <laughs> I want to try this out. I want to have an experience of what it would be like to be separate from my father in heaven. And the chorus calls that, that internal reaction that wants to take this idea seriously, calls it the ego, E-G-O. One of the things that um, I was talking with a friend about earlier, um, in a lot of ways, is when we talk about the ego in the course and you go to cl cl uh, course meetings, it, it's, it sounds like the ego made me do it. <laughs> the ego made me leave heaven. <laughs> the, me the ego made me take the, the tiny mad idea of separation seriously. Nah, <laughs> ego didn't do any of that stuff. It was just us wanting to take this idea seriously and that part of us that wanted to take this idea seriously and run with it the course calls the ego we chose to do this we chose to keep going sylvia you're going to mess me up sylvia I am. sylvia's in australia by the way <laughs> so who asked the question who who say that again yeah, who asked the question? Is it possible? Oh, right, right. And, and uh, I'm not ready to deal with that one yet. We'll, we'll let Stephen answer that one later. Is he here? Where is he? <laughs> oh, there he is. 
So uh, in, in short, the good news is nobody asked the question because it never happened. Uh, the problem is we chose to believe it happened and then we did we took a whole lot of lot more steps away from this and got ourselves to believe it. So who asked the question? In one sense, it was the son of God asking the question. The son of God, not, not as a son of God in heaven, but the son of God stepping outside of the experience of heaven and pretending he could even ask a question like that. Everything is made up. The tiny mad idea is made up. The question's made up. Tanisha. So we basically made it worse for ourselves. Oh, yeah. With this <laughs> idea that we can actually be separate. Like, we just made it worse. Oh, yeah. You know, and what I, what I noticed, like, when I, you know, do re remember that I am separate, that I am not the body, and that I am the holy child of God, it, it seems unnatural, you know, like everything that's happening, it seems unnatural because I, I know that this isn't, this isn't real. So sometimes it seems just really unnatural, everything that is happening, but I get how, how we cause this. I, I get it. I, it yeah. 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 Thank and, you. And one of the, one of the things certainly that you're, you're pointing to is, is the idea of purpose. So if our purpose becomes to look at the tiny mad idea of separation and take it seriously and get ourselves to actually believe that we did it, I mean, we're the son of God. We, we can make up some pretty preposterous stories and that's, that's kind of bad enough, but to actually get ourselves to believe that we did it. And we got to do a lot of fast talking to ourselves to get us to that point. And that's where the rest of the story comes in. So we have to convince ourselves that we actually pulled it off in order to get ourselves to believe we actually separated. Good news is, once again, all this is made up. It was impossible. We didn't do it. But we sure tried like hell to believe we did do it. <laughs> like hell's a good phrase. And we actually pulled it off. So we start telling ourselves a story. The ego <laughs> that we... Who, that part of us that wants to take the idea seriously, we start telling ourselves a story. First part of the story is the story of sin. We said, you know, you, know, you, you kind of wanted to leave heaven and yeah, you kind of played around with the idea, but guess what? You did it and it was bad. It was really wrong. Yeah, you kind of just played around with it objectively at first, but when you when when you did it, and now we get one of the ways we get ourselves to believe that we did it is we tell ourselves we did something we did something very wrong. So in, in essence, this idea of sin was the belief in the tiny man idea that we actually pulled it off, and we said, you know what, that that was bad, and we believed that it was bad. And all that did was reinforce in ourselves that we actually pulled it off. So that's step one in the story. And we're not even in the world yet. <laughs> that's still down the road. This is all happening internally. Step two is, not that the Course loves this word, <laughs> but we as egos love the word guilt. 
consciously in the world, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit guilty, but look at all these other people that are guilty. <laughs> but internally, when we started considering this concept of guilt, it was the next step in taking all this very seriously, the feeling of guilt. We're the son of God. Once again, we're making up the tiny man idea. We're making up the, that we actually believe we pulled it off. And now we're making up this feeling of guilt. We feel terrible because we left heaven. And it, it, it was probably the, at least in terms of this story, kind of the crowning glory of, of actually getting ourselves to believe that we did it is this horrendous feeling that I've left heaven, I've left my father, I've left my own identity as, as a loving son of God, and now I'm separate from that. And I did it. And that's enough guilt to sink the Titanic, <laughs> blow up a whole universe. That's a lot of guilt. Basically, we're saying we destroyed heaven. We destroyed oneness, and we stepped outside of it, and we pulled it off. And then, as crazy as it is, we got ourselves to believe it because we made up the feeling of guilt. That's part two in the story. And then part three, and we're pretty clever. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we made it up and then we get ourselves to believe it. Part three in the story is, now we got. Now we convince ourselves that God agrees with us. He he actually buys into believing. We uh, you know we we made up this whole identity, so we might as well make up a God that agrees with us that we left heaven and we did a terrible thing. And guess what? He's going to punish us. We make up this terrible story of punishment, and we're scared to death. Now. You know, we're sitting around as bodies in a world identified with me, whatever me is doing. And certainly I'm not aware of all this t internal terrible stuff. I'm not aware that I, I, I made a, I was in heaven. I'm not aware that I thought I left heaven. I'm not aware that um, consciously that I made up the idea of sin, that I could separate. I'm not aware that I made myself guilty. And I'm not aware that I, I'm scared to death God's going to punish me. That kind of sneaks through into my awareness down here as a, a seeming body with a personality. However, however, <laughs> what happens was, so we're sitting around in this mess and it's terrible. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is just right next door in our mind telling us this is all made up. We don't have to make up this terrible idea. We don't have to believe it. We don't have to feel guilty. And we don't have to be afraid because God still loves us. But rather than listen to the Holy Spirit and stay in this quandary of wanting to believe we did this and hearing the Holy Spirit say it's impossible, we are very clever. We do the big bang. We make up the entire universe of time and space that the Course calls the world. 
and me in it. <laughs> and and this this internal me that did all this stuff, this one son of God gets broken up to a zillion me's. All the bodies on the screen, all the bodies out on the street, all the all of our next door neighbors, all the people around the planet, and not just people as bodies, but everything. The trees, the rocks, the mountains, <laughs> the sea, the fish, etc. It's all the son of God pretending it's not the son of God. With no awareness that it's the son of God. And certainly no awareness that internally we're hanging on to this crazy story. This whole story and projection is a big thing in the course. It's a big theme. Jesus starts talking about it in the first few chapters. Projection is when we take this internal story, we make up a world of time and space, and we say the sin is not in me. Guess where the sin is? In the other guy. <laughs> Guess where the guilt is? Yeah, I'm a little guilty, but look at what they did. <laughs> And, and, and what am I really afraid of in the world? Well, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> well, I'm afraid of some bad guys. There's bad guys running around everywhere. I don't realize I've made up a God that I'm internally afraid of. And all this is done, this whole universe of time and space. That this is where I think it's really helpful, even intellectually, to get the idea that this this is so unlike the Bible, especially at this point. God did not create the world. God did not create the animals. God did not create bodies. The son of God pretending he was separate made up a world of time and space. And, th and this is where, the, you know, like one of those giant fundamental places where the course is really, really different than any kind of traditional, certainly Christian ideas that we have about where the world came from. We made up the world so that we could run from hearing the Holy Spirit tell us, say, say to us, this is all silly, you don't have to do this. Two things happened when we made up the world. One is we forgot this inner experience because it all got projected on the world. And, um, and not only did we forget that, but we forgot that there was a Holy Spirit that was telling us we don't have to do this. So we forget we did it. And then the pain never goes away. Believing in these three things is terrible. Believing in sin is a terrible feeling. We made it up, but it's terrible. Believing in guilt is a terrible feeling. We made it up. It's terrible. Believing in, in, that we could be afraid of God is a terrible thing. We made it up, but it's terrible to feel it. And rather than those feelings don't go away, even all these feelings get projected onto the world. And then the real clincher in terms of purpose is now I think the reason I'm feeling bad is not my fault. It's the world and what the world is doing to me. One of the major lessons in the workbook early on is I am not a victim of the world I see. I made up the world so I could blame these terrible feelings I'm having that didn't go away. I'm blaming it on the world now. So the two reasons for making up a world, one is I forget I have a mind and I certainly forget I have a Holy Spirit. And the second reason is I take all that terrible stuff I'm feeling and I'm saying it's your fault. 
or it's somebody else's fault. It's not mine. So over and over and over again, throughout the whole course, one of the resounding ideas is I am responsible for what I see. And I am responsible for my reactions to what I see. It's probably the last thing in the world anybody wants to hear if they're coming here to forget they have a mind and to forget they're responsible for making all this up. Of course, we would have to forget that if we wanted to keep the whole thing going. This is the giant conspiracy of all conspiracies. <laughs> it's not political. <laughs> it started right here. <laughs> and it was against ourselves. We did this, we made it up, and we believed it. And in the world, there's terrible stuff. I mean, it's terrible stuff in the world. But we made up the world to be terrible. Now, Jesus isn't saying you got to go around, you know, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, if you're a good Catholic like me, or a recovering Catholic like me. He doesn't want us to go around and, and take on this guilt for making up a world of, of, ter of horrible stuff. That's not the way back. So another, um, another part of this process, the way we keep this inner experience of the mind out of our awareness, the way we keep the Holy Spirit telling us there's a way back out of our awareness is through our judgments. Every time I judge anybody or anything, and I feel, and I insist, I'm upset for the reason I think, and I'm, I insist I know whose fault it is, that judgment locks me into believing all this whole story and not ever admitting I believe the whole, the whole mess. It locks me into believing I'm a me down here in the world. I'm not the son of God. I don't have a way back. And, I, and I'm, I'll be the last one to admit that's what's happening. Course always says, Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? But what is what Jesus is saying when he says, Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You want to be right about your judgments. Lesson five, five lessons in, you get hit with this incredible lesson where he says, I'm never upset for the reason I think. I'm never upset for not just I'm, I'm sometimes I'm not upset for the reason I think no no it's I'm never upset for the reason I think it's got nothing to do with what I think is the reason and the reason always is look what they did out there look what they did to me look what my parents did look what my job did look what traffic did look what even my own body let me down and made me sick look what COVID's doing Look what the pandemic's doing. Look what politics is doing. <laughs> name, your, name your victimizer. I'm never upset for the reason I think. And so what we do in the way back, and this is the beginning of the, uh, this is how we got here. And then how do we get back to connecting with the Holy Spirit is we take each one of those little judgments as they come up. Sometimes they're giant judgments. But whenever I think I'm upset for the reason I think, and I judge somebody or something else for doing what they did, ask myself, what if that's not true? What if lesson five is true? What if I'm not upset for the reason I think? 
what if it's something going on inside of me where I push Jesus away, I push God away, I pushed out of my own awareness, my true identity as God's son, and now I'm blaming that terrible feeling on you. And in time and space, you probably did do something terrible. <laughs> and you could get lots of people to agree with you <laughs> that that person did something terrible and you have every right in the world to feel that way. However, what if that's just a conspiracy against yourself? Nobody, <laughs> when you consider the billions of people on this planet, nobody wants to look at this. The course seems like it's kind of popular right now, but it's only because I think people don't realize what it's saying. <laughs> they think it's some new agey thing where everybody's love and peaceful. <laughs> no, it's saying you're responsible for the way you're feeling and it's got nothing to do with the other guy. Really? <laughs> Usually we get into our 40s and we begin to recognize, well, maybe that's true. Some of us do it younger, some of us do it later, but it, it, my experience has been, certainly with, the, with my experience with Ken Wapnick, especially in the early days in Roscoe, New York, that most people were in their 40s beside, before they actually got to a point where they, they were willing to admit, maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think. Because everything I tried to do didn't work. <laughs> I tried to fix you, I tried to fix me, and I still feel terrible. Because <laughs> we weren't addressing what the real issue was. The whole world comes out of the, the ego's perception of ourselves as separate, or it's possible to see the world through the Holy Spirit's eyes and realize we're not separate at all. It's possible to have that experience. And once we open the door one time with any judgment we have, and we say, Holy Spirit, you keep telling me I'm not upset for the reason I think. I'm absolutely sure I am, but what if it's not true? And we ask the Holy Spirit to see it a different way, and it happens. And he gets his foot in the door, and he's got a big foot. Jesus has a size 15 or 16. It's huge. And you can't get his foot out the door. You try to bang the door on the foot, you know, you do all kinds of things, get away, get away. I want to go back to believing I'm upset for the reason I think. And it takes a while. It takes a while to do, you know, it takes a while to realize I can't get his foot out of the door. So the good news is ask him, check it out. Next time you're upset about anything, could be a small thing, could be a big thing. Your partner did something and, and, and you feel betrayed. <laughs> You know, your boss reduced your salary and he let you down. And you think you're upset for the reason you think. Just ask God to help you in that moment see that person the way God sees that person. Watch out, because <laughs> he will. <laughs> and he'll help you know that you're not, that what you're hanging on to is just this silly, crazy, separate identity that we don't have to hang on to. Alrighty, questions, thoughts, throw tomatoes at the speaker. No, throw them at Jesus. <laughs> He's bigger than me. <laughs> Comments? I have one. Suzanne, go ahead. Just a quick um, observation. <clears throat> when you mentioned that we created the world because of all these reasons, including the trees, and I, I thought there could have been a we can recreate the madness, but the beauty is God-given 
that was a wild moment for my entire life. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that, at least in, in terms of the metaphysics, one of the things Jesus er does early on in the course is he, he tries to separate the word create from the word made. So, uh, you know, it's not a mortal sin if you use the word uh, the, that we created the world. <laughs> I mean, we've been using that word for a long time. <laughs> or we blame it on God. God created the world. But, but Jesus is real adamant that whatever creation is, it's the experience of oneness in heaven. Everything below this line right here, we make up. We made up the way, the way to get ourselves to believe that we separated. And then also at the same time, there was a Holy Spirit. We kind of made him up too, because he was the way back. I mean, we weren't totally stupid. <laughs> we made up a Holy Spirit that'll take us back to heaven, or at least help us realize we never left heaven in the first place. So, yeah, you know, I mean, most of us come from a new age background when we get into the course and, you know, it, it, you know, sunsets are nice and, you know, the oceans, <laughs> if, if the ocean isn't killing you and drowning you in a hurricane, it's, it's nice most of the time. Mountains are pretty, the Rockies are nice, as long as you don't get up there on, and get trapped and get frozen to death. Or, But I mean, the world was made as an attack on God. It's like, I don't know, whatever, what is the world in the questions in the workbook? What is the world? Everything below this line, we made up as an attack on our true identity, not just on God, but on our true identity as God's son, including the world. So we weren't totally stupid. When we're making up a world, we put some nice things in the world, <laughs> kind of distractions <laughs> that underlying all, all things in the world would do all, everything in the world, everything, what it has in common is death. Even the Rockies will eventually evaporate into nothing or whittle down into nothing. And certainly as bodies, you know, if we're, if we're lucky, we get 70, 80, sometimes 90 years on the planet. Sometimes we seem unlucky and not get that long. But everything dies. In heaven, nothing dies. <laughs> because there's nothing in heaven. Whatever heaven is, it's all oneness. There's no oceans and streams and nice places that can die in heaven. It's this incredible experience of oneness and love. And we're feeling that we're experiencing that when we begin to allow ourselves to do that instead of throwing heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit out the window. See, and that's a tough one, too. <laughs> Probably the first tough one is God didn't create the world. The second really tough one is. Well, the world's not so bad sometimes. <laughs> there seems to be nice things in it. And Jesus is not, he is not telling us not to enjoy the nice things. He's just inviting us to enjoy those nice things with him instead of throwing him out the window. He likes to be included in things. <laughs> he wants you to know that he loves us in, in this moment. He wants us to know that. And if we're always pushing him away out of our awareness, taking a walk in the woods without him, going to the beach without him, watching a sunset or sunrise without him, that's what gets us in trouble. It was without him that was the problem in the first place. I mean, look at that beautiful, whatever it is behind Abe. 
you how can you put that down that looks really good <laughs> abe looks really good framed in it <laughs> it's a wonderful thing <laughs> and but if we're if we're enjoying that and we're doing it without some awareness that we are the one son of god we will look for judgments we will try to find something wrong with everything we're involved in and we will find it because we're looking for it that's what the ego has to do it has to keep making judgments about the world and saying it's not me it's the world and even at in a beautiful sunrise or sunset i will find something wrong and it won't be my fault Now, it's possible to have an experience of a sunrise and sunset with the Holy Spirit, where I'm not looking for that. Where, where we realize, in essence, that we are the sunset. <laughs> we are the sunrise. The Beatles song, you are me and we are we and we are all together. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Beatles really got that right. <laughs> yeah. Sylvia? Yeah, because there is a memory of God in this world. And that's what that's what you just said then. Actually, I think got... the memory of God is in our mind. That doesn't go away. We do everything we can to stamp out the memory of God in the world <laughs> if we're, when we're in ego mode. But yeah, I mean, once again, the world is simply a mirror. My body is a mirror. Your body is a mirror. We're just a mirror of, of what's going on in our mind. If I'm choosing the ego as my teacher, or I'm choosing to believe in separation and that I have this separate identity called an ego, everything will mirror that thought. And I'll have to prove to myself it's not my fault. If I'm connected with Jesus and the Holy Spirit internally, everything in the world becomes a mirror of that. My body does, your body does, the sunrise does, the sunset does. I don't have to find judgment then. I don't have to make stuff up. I don't have to prove that in spite of what you did or didn't do, and maybe you did something terrible, that that's, not, that's just not the reason I'm upset. I don't have to keep proving to myself I'm upset for the reason I think. If you learn any lesson at all, <laughs> learn lesson five well. <laughs> at any time, anything pushes your buttons, even to say intellectually, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think? Open the door a little bit. Stephen? Stephen and I were talking today. <laughs> Hi. Uh, you know you were missed. Uh, the no, Walmart greeter was not there. <laughs> and all these new people showed up, and I was depending on you to greet them. And no, there was no Stephen. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Even uh, well, some. <laughs> please excuse me. I, I was writing about the course, and it, uh, it seemed to be uh, important at the time. But as we know, none of this stuff is important. Um, I just wanted to. Uh, 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 address what Sylvia said because that's that's what you uh, seem to invite me to do, um, and uh, it could, because I've been uh, I've been listening to this uh, ego thing really closely for for a while now, um, especially uh, in the last few months. Uh, the tiny mad idea says uh, into eternity where all is one. There crept the tiny mad idea at which the Son of God 
remembered not to laugh. Um, the key there for your question, Sylvia, is uh, the Son of God. Uh, and the Son of God took it seriously. Uh, and uh, it, because the Son of God took it seriously, it became, became possible of accomplishments and real effects. Um, that's that paragraph. Uh, um, Watnick says uh, this about uh, the ego and, and the question you asked. Uh, it, um, all of this uh, it, and ego is an illusory dream in the mind of the sleeping son of God. So in truth, uh, ego is the sleeping son of God. Uh, ego as us, uh, we are all just fragments seemingly of son of God. In truth, um, we're with God right now. We never left. Um, all of this is kind of like a, an hallucination. Uh, for me, more than kind of like. It's a dream. And in this dream, uh, all of this seems to be happening. Um, and uh, the course defines ego as uh, nothingness in a form that seems like something. Uh, and that, uh, um, that's, that's a perfect description uh, in telling us that none of this is really happening. It seems to, seems to be happening in time and space. Uh, but in truth, it's all happening at once. Uh, the Course says the, the carpet rolled, up, rolled out and rolled back in the same moment. There seemed to be a tiny peak of time, but no, not really. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's just uh, something that we thought would be a good idea. Uh, I, and, and it happened not to be a good idea. You know, I, um, uh, quite a while ago, several years ago, I thought, what? why did I come here, really? And, uh, you know, I think, I think I was bored, you know. As, and that's just little Steven as this thing that is really just a puppet and a nothingness. That's just me trying to come up with a, a reason for leaving um, an awareness of perfect oneness, which is how heaven is, is defined uh, in the Course. Uh, and this is a, um, it, it's a wild idea. This is a radical Course in a lot of ways. Um, but for me, um, all of my life, I went to a lot of churches and I talked to a lot of people and I just wanted to know what, you know, what about this God thing? And when I got to the course, it's the only thing that's ever made sense. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it defined um, uh, us as human beings uh, as uh, we're kind of, we're kind of out there. We're kinda, I call, I'll call it, I call it quirky. Um, actually, we're all insane. We seem to believe this and we seem that, you know, we seem that, uh, we see, seem to think that uh, this is all real, uh, but it's not. All is well. We're with God right now, and we never left. It just uh, seems like all of this is happening. Uh, and with that, I'll uh, toss it back to you, Tim. Any questions? <laughs> Ask Tim. <laughs> In terms of the process, it's always good for me to remind myself, Jesus is not asking me to go around um, saying everything I see is made up. That'll eventually happen. I mean, we'll get to that awareness. But what's keeping me stuck in believing that everything I see is not made up, what's keeping me stuck in that are my judgments. In any given moment, I believe I'm upset for the reason I think. And I'm judging whatever it is I think is making me upset. So, I think it's about page 444 in the text. He says, don't go around telling yourself 
you know, don't, don't even ask me for help to see initially in this process that everything is real, everything is a hallucination, even though it is. Ask me to help you see your brother as sinless. Because that's what's keeping us stuck. We think sin is alive and well, and it's in him. <laughs> Look what he or she did. Ask for help to see our brother as sinless. And then realizing it's all made up will come. That, that'll come. Guaranteed to come. And we'll get, we'll get glimpses of it as we go. But we start with our judgments. It's the most practical thing because it's our judgments that are making us crazy in any given moment that are making us believe that what we see is real. Start with the judgments. Give it a shot. See what happens. Any judgment, any specific judgment in any given moment. Do it now. If you're judging me on this, if you're judging me, <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me see that guy the way you are, because I think he's crazy. <laughs> I mean, we can do it right now. It's the only time we can do it <laughs> is right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Tim had something and uh, Kanisha yeah. had something and Melissa had something earlier. All right. Here we go. <laughs> no, Melissa's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Nah, nah. <laughs> hey, Tim. <laughs> How are you? Hey, Tim. <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing that comes up for me, it just, it's interesting when you talk about, when we're talking about the illusion or the, we're somewhere along the way making the judgments that make us feel better. We must get something out of that or we would turn back to the Holy Spirit easily, right? Or, I mean, I guess it feels like to me that there's, I, I kind of equate it to like this internal wrestling match between the Holy Spirit and the ego. And I, it's not really that, but it's when, we, when we're there and we're making a choice in, a, in any situation, like you said, with a judgment to, to ask, am I upset for the reasons that I think I am? Um, there's somewhere along the line, it feels like there's something that we got out of making those judgments or, or thinking that this was real, right? Or no, or am I just, I, I think that, and right is, is right. I mean, the rush is in believing we're right. <laughs> yeah. I know why I'm upset. Let me tell you why. And if I get you to agree with me, I'll even be more excited. The rush, you know, he doesn't actually say this in the course, but the gist of it is we're dancing on God's grave. Worse, we're dancing on our own grave as God's son. And, and we're dancing. We think that it's, it's a rush. I'm right. I left heaven. I'm right. I'm separate from my father. I'm right. Let me tell you why. And then if I can blame it on you instead of me, <laughs> that's the crowning glory. <laughs> that's a big rush. Yeah. Yeah. Tanisha, and then Arise. So um, I started reading the lessons. Well, my mother died in um, uh, late June, and I was um, reading the lessons, and I was also like in the workbook and in the manual, kind of like going back and forth. But um, I kind of, you know, got off course when she died, and but you know, I still hear God calling me like back to the book, like, because I know like deep down, I don't want to go backwards. And I know with my, um, you know, with my history, I can easily go back into that space because I've been in that space for so long, but I hear God calling me 
back home and I wasn't too sure, like I had stopped at um, lesson four and then every once in a while, I'll just open up the book, you know, and just feel, just feel Jesus. Like you cannot really deny Jesus presence, especially when you've known him for so long, but the way he loves us in here is just like, it's incredible. Like sometimes my mind cannot understand how I can be loved in this capacity. Like, it's just so incredible. Yeah. We've created this false reality, but the way he loves us is just incredibly amazing. But I do know that I need to start back at the beginning. As Miss Lynn was telling me, we were talking earlier. She told me about, you know, all of, you know, the, the resources available, especially to people and to new people like me. And um, I didn't know maybe I should start over at lesson one. Um, I did want to get, um, she mentioned the journey, journey through the workbook from by I can. And I was really interested in that because I like, um, I like workbooks and, you know, participating and things like that. And I didn't know if I should probably start over or read the, I, I don't know. What do you think? It's been our experience. Most, most, most long-term course students, the workbook, Ken's journey to the workbook was not always there, but when it came out or when we finally found it ourselves, including me, whoa, <laughs> mm. it was, it was, I don't think it matters what level you're at. Okay. Uh, you know, we tell everybody, get journey to the workbook. <laughs> Just get it, try it. <laughs> I mean, you'll eventually hate Ken because you don't want to hear what he's saying, but that's all right too. <laughs> but I mean, because he, he loves the harp on murder and egos and <laughs> all that stuff, but that's, that's why we're here is to wake up to what we're, what we're doing, what we made up. So yeah, right. the workbook is huge. I, it's been huge for all of us. I think that's awesome. Uh, 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 any, any testimonies here? I mean, anybody wave their hands. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but I love the way you express Jesus loves us in this course. And if anything comes through, whether we understand it or not, this guy, <laughs> it sounds like he loves us pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Maurice? Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I wanted to address Tim's, uh, Tim Foster's um, question about what, are, why do we, uh, what, how did you put it? What do we get out of this? And I, I realized after studying the course over the last several months with this with this group here of course I didn't realize how much I get out of being a martyr and a victim and how much I get out of blaming you and ever blaming politics blaming the world blaming the climate I mean I really like to do that so I hate to admit it now I mean you know it's it's something that that's what I get out of it being a human being I, I really like to blame or I you know find that I have I have to have, have to face that fact. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And blame is just another word for judgment. All this, all this bad stuff is synonymous. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank, thanks, Therese. Lisa? I think there's a part of us that likes having, being in separate bodies. We like feeling like an individual, a separate I. There's part of us that like that feeling special. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those um, 
very self-destructive likes. <laughs> I mean, it's an addiction. <laughs> it's one of those things we think we like, but it's killing us. <laughs> or at least it feels like it's killing us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Lynn Altman? Yeah, I was thinking that most of my energy is directed towards trying to make my liking of the body and the world work for me. And it's just incredibly frustrating to see that inevitably I fail. And then through that loving presence that is telling me there's another way to realize that there, to trust that there is another way. It's like, I've done this for so many years and it's never made me happy for, for very long at all. And, and, it's, and yet it's so difficult to think that, I mean, it's amazing how I cling to what I know. And, and it is only those, that love that comes through that encourages me to keep aiming for a life without judgment. I mean, that's like, I get goosebumps thinking about what it would be like to live a life without judgment when that's how I've established myself and my identity. So it, it's the, the course for me is about the, the contrast of looking at what I believe and where it's led me. And then this glimpse of heaven that I have from moment to moment, you know, when I can let go of my judgments and, and trusting that maybe that is something worth, worth um, striving for. There's a place where it talks about how the, the, the body is about striving but you can change your mind and have the striving be towards wholeness, oneness, rather than towards that, you know, sense of self. And that's what gives me hope going forward. It, it, it takes us a while, um, like I think Lynn was saying, to realize how often we're judgmental, ad nauseum, ad infinitum. <laughs> I mean... And even the way we, we present ourselves to some, you meet somebody and what do you, what do you tell them? You start talking about what you like or you start telling them about what you don't like. I mean, you're, we define ourselves in terms of our judgments. And once again, Jesus isn't saying don't, don't <laughs> just don't take yourself so seriously when you're doing that and look at what's really underneath of it. Because if we're doing that with the ego, we're saying not that there's stuff I like, but there's really stuff I don't like. And the real juice in that meeting somebody new is if you can agree with them about what you don't like, you have a common enemy. <laughs> you, you know, oh, I really don't like that. Oh, I don't either. Oh, we're, we're really, we're, we're tight now. <laughs> we have the same bad guy. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lynn. Suzanne? Yeah, it's like you have this crazy indoctrination process on earth. Like we, we learn these subtleties growing up, how to judge. And it's, 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 it's baked into us and uh, collectively. And uh, so I feel like a whole weight is lifted when you know the game, when you can see the game. I feel like tomorrow I'm going to be a whole different person. <laughs> the weight is lifted, the game, the, the, the curtains are open. It's such a relief. Yeah, the, the early workbook lessons are really a trip. I mean, you get those first four lessons and you think maybe I, I need to be high to read these. Nothing I see means anything. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> I've given everything I see all the meaning it has. No, I didn't. <laughs> and then lesson five comes out of nowhere. I'm never upset for the reason I think. And he doesn't explain it. He just throws it in there. There's no, there's no explanation for that at all. And then all the lessons after that are, are all kind of bringing us to the awareness that how judgmental I am. I see only the past and the past isn't good. Look what you did in the past. I see only the past. Whenever I meet anybody, I size them up. Are they going to do to me what this other person did in the past or not? I mean, this is incessant. If I'm in ego mode, it has to be incessant. I can't let the light of the Holy Spirit in. Leonard Cohen song, you know, a crack lets the light in. <laughs> you can't have a crack in the ego thought system. You can't be willing in any given moment to give up one little judgment because you might let the light in. And then the ego, this part of me that's desperate not to feel Jesus's love, as insane as that sounds, I might feel his love. And then I'll realize I, I didn't die. <laughs> we all think if we feel Jesus's love, we're going to die. We're not walking around believing that or, or saying that out loud to ourselves, but actually we are believing that. When I'm in ego mode, I think if I feel Jesus's love, I'll die. And what will die is, is this little sense of me, this little sense of separated self. Yeah, it'll just go back into the nothingness from which it came. I'll, I'll go around singing Beatles songs all day long. <laughs> love is all there is. <laughs> Or Tim, hey, I was just going to add to that that if you if you're walking around and the and the I, I think about that, and if I think that I'm going to feel Jesus's love more concretely, I won't fit into the world that I'm living in. Oh yeah, right. I mean, that's my thought. That's right. that's the experience I have. Is like, how am I going to fit in into my job? How am I going to fit into these social situations where you know people are going to go, "You're like, a, what? A, what are you? Who are you?" You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways that plays out. Like, like, like if you're like Stephen and me, you'll be bored. <laughs> I'll never have fun again. If I let Jesus love me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thank God we can smile at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Rawls. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just kind of. I love um, your shades, Bruce. By oh, the way. Well, I, I'm not trying to look cool. My, no, my left I, eye is just. I understand. My left eye is like super <laughs> dilated. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I was just just really uh, relating to what Tanisha was sharing and 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 letting that sink in and and how you know I I, I think all of us to a person would probably have to to you know for honest with ourselves say you know that what drew us to the course was the the feeling behind the words that there's that that love that's just so so impelling that we know that we're going to have to go through like you've been saying Tim you know and, and look at all the judgments and all the you know the crazy ways that we do that without even realizing it and and at some point see how silly that is and and turn loose from with that from that and then um, but you know behind that is that is that just unfathomable potent uh, you know, an indescribable awareness uh, of love that, that just is, is not going to quit. And we're not ever going to be satisfied until we get through all the barriers that we've placed to the awareness of love's presence. Yeah, thanks. 
one judgment by at a time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every now and then we get a chance to pull pull the rug on a big judgment, <laughs> but any little ones will do too. <laughs> Very good. Anybody got any closing arguments, insights, questions? <laughs> Fight with Jesus time. <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I go had ahead. just wanted to say that Jesus is so very real in this whole setup. I've never known him like this. You know, I grew up um, in a Pentecostal church and, you know, we would praise and worship and all this stuff, but I really didn't know Jesus so intimately the way that I do, but he is very, very real. You know, he doesn't hold anything back, but he lovingly calls you back home. But sometimes it just blows my mind. Like this, false identity that we claim but Jesus's love propels you toward him like I don't mind you know facing my you know facing whatever I have to face because you know honestly I've been a coward like most of my life I haven't loved myself most of my life um I haven't even believed in myself most of my life and I haven't made the best decisions but you know Jesus makes me feel whole and complete when I do remember it you know, so I realized like, yeah, it's a lot of work trying to undo this whole ego thing. And it's like, sometimes just the thought of it can be kind of stressful, but then I remember God and I remember Jesus's love and what he tells me, you know, um, especially like in lessons 199, like he's like, when you realize your own light, you know, I rejoice in that. Like I'm with you. Heaven will not be complete. Will, will not be incomplete. Like he just lets me know how important we all are. Like we're just a big deal. And I've never felt like a big deal to forgive me anyone or anything. So like, I'll do what I, whatever I have to do, you know, um, with the undoing of the ego, like, you know, so I really appreciate, you know, these types of, um, um, zoom meetings because it's all new to me like I've never known Jesus in this way and like this is really the Jesus of Nazareth like you know and then he actually breaks down like what the Bible says but what it actually meant I'm just like he's really doing that you know so so sometimes like I'll get emotional or what I read it just blows my mind because it's like wow now I get what he actually you know what he said in the Bible so I can see you know it with different lenses and it's it's really freeing and relieving. It's just a lot of work and I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to, to just remember God and remember who we are, but it's really amazing, you know? So I'm just grateful for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Two things. I, I think I already lost one of them, but one thing is, is it seems like a lot of work to do this. The good news is we don't even do it. <laughs> we, we just have to invite him in. What is a lot of work is maintaining this ind individual sense of self and then blaming everybody for it. That's a full-time job. <laughs> That's a nonstop judgmental job to do that. So, I mean, it's, and, and, oh yeah. So, the, and the nice thing about letting Jesus loves us is not only do we not die, but it feels pretty good. <laughs> right. Well, this ain't so bad. Well, I was afraid to let this in. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank good. you. Very good. Thank you. I wanted to look at, a. This is on page 90 in the text. And um, 
it's at the end of chapter five and Jesus has given us this little prayer in italics uh, to ourselves, really. <laughs> We're trying to convince ourselves to give this a chance. And uh, <clears throat> this is at the end of uh, paragraph six. He says, I must have decided wrongly. Meaning I must have decided wrongly, meaning I know why I'm upset. I'm upset for the reason I think that's what's wrong. I'm not, I'm not upset for the reason I think. It's always not that. I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace and I'm blaming you on top of it. I made that decision all by my lonesome. That was the original text. He put in all by myself, but <laughs> I made that decision all by myself, but I can also decide to ask the Holy Spirit for help, include him in the process. I want to decide otherwise because there's a part of me that really wants to feel loved. There's a part of me that wants to feel at peace even more than I want to be right. <laughs> Do you want to be right or happy? Do you want to be right or feel loved? I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my, all those wrong decisions I made all my whole life. <laughs> if I let him, meaning he'll let me see all those wrong, quote unquote, wrong decisions were all they weren't substantial. They weren't fundamental. They didn't make me who I was. My innocence as a son of God makes me who I am. That's what Jesus loves about us. Our innocence as a son of God. And I choose to let him, the Holy Spirit, by allowing him to decide. I don't have to do this. I just need to open the door a little bit. Holy Spirit, come on in and show me. <laughs> I'm from Missouri. Show me. <laughs> yeah. And he will. He does. <laughs> That's his job. Otherwise, he's just sitting around like the Maytag repairman, bored to death. <laughs> Nothing to do. Give him something to do, for God's sake. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Come on back if you're up for it. We'll be here. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thank Bye, you, everybody. Thank you. So grateful. God bless you all. Thank you. Welcome, new folks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>